This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Educational Triage. This is Tony, and we have, of course, standing nearby, the fabulous Philip. Aloha. Aloha back, Philip. Hey, this (laughs) week we are taking on digital dementia. What a You don't sound excited. Oh, it's just the whole thing is huge and deep and quick. (laughs) Well, well, we'll make it's happened. So they're starting to figure out the ramifications of it right now. Mm. So before we can go anywhere, we need to take a look at the definition of what is dementia. And dementia is a condition characterized by progressive or persistent loss of intellectual functioning, especially with impairment of memory and abstract thinking, and often with personality change resulting from organic disease of the brain. So. When we talk about digital dementia, we are talking about the brain. We are talking about loss of memory function. We're talking about a lot. The only difference is that it's not necessarily an organic alpha-synucleic acid or a a beta plaque that is causing it. It's not vascular. There's so many different forms of dementia, but they're all organic forms, meaning that they're natural. And so digital dementia is is putting another layer on top of dementia. And can it cause actual dementia? We'll get to that in a little bit because you'll be surprised at what they find. Okay? So, so what's your first impression, Philip, about what is this digital dementia? Uh, my first impression physiologically is it's probably encouraging neural pathways oh she's that contribute to lack of function in your brain for instance how many phone numbers can you rattle off now as opposed to before a phone had it all kind of thing and that's a certain neural pathway remembering those numbers and um, right. people don't do those things anymore due to digital technology um, and so they're developing pathways that are shorter, they're dependent, um, and they're algorithmic per se, you know, they believe it to be reality. So, uh, yeah, you know, our, our phones become our reality in a lot of different ways and that skews our neural pathways. It definitely, so they were looking at studies where, 
they were, you know, having a phone before you, before you, and then the screen you're working on, the phone down low and the screen up here. And, uh, and then older folks won't have that. They'll have their phone put away or something while they're doing something. And younger folks will have that phone in there. And they did studies and they found out um, that that delays, actually delays the reaction to things that are occurring. And they did studies with mice and they flashed like three lights and then the target light. And so when they did that with mice, to simulate the same thing that's going on in the brain, the mice were confused and solved mazes like much shorter period or much longer periods of time. They're much more distracted internally. And uh, kids are doing that. They're showing that kids do that too. They're distracted internally. That's a dementia. It, it impairs cognitive function. Well, it's a cognitive function, but basically you're just looking at whether or not somebody can, the way that I'm interpreting it is how do people multitask? Yeah, that's been proven not to be a thing. <laughs> but right. It's it, well, it's, well, it is a thing. It's just absolutely tasks. inefficient and ineffective. Yeah. I mean, you can go between tasks rapidly interchanging between them, but you can't be doing two of them at the same time per se. Yeah. Multitasking is a sort of a myth. Right. <laughs> For sure. And right. Um, right. Yeah. You can't split your attention. You know, what you focus on is what you get into. And a, well, a smartphone is designed to entice you constantly. It's just an algorithmic. Wonder. Right. It hypnotizes you. Oh, it's, it's so much fun. And it feeds the dopamine and it rewards you at all the right times. And, and uh, it, it's better you know, than you are <laughs> knowing your brain. But the thing with cell phones is that they have become a hard drive for our brain. Yeah, they have. They're an external hard drive for the brain. I think mm -hmm. that's the way one person put it. And so you don't have all this need to memorize numbers anymore. You don't. I still remember my childhood phone numbers. Oh, I do too. Yeah. And yeah. I even remember my addresses. But now you ask kids, what's your address? And they can't tell you. Most of uh, them have absolutely no idea what their address is. Yeah, they have to go home They have, to, or else they have to call home and they have to ask their parents or something. Geographically, you used to be able to tell people how to get to your house pretty mm -hmm. simply, or you could draw a map. Now people just give you the address with the zip code and everybody just GPSs it. It links right? up. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So how do you get to this place without your GPS? Mm -hmm. I bet there's a lot of people that will be completely lost. <laughs> what? What's north? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard of the north, south, east, west thing? No. Oh, God. Please. <laughs> so some of the rudimentary, some of the elementary kinds of skills that we had growing up yeah. are no longer there. I mean, they may, they may be cursory in elementary education, but yeah. I don't think that unless somebody is into scouting or if they're into hunting or hiking or something like that, that they are going to know, the, or even sailing, they're going to know the difference between north, south, east, and west as far as what a compass is and how to use a compass. Or even how to just basically find what where north is. You know, geographically, you know, there's ways to tell. And, and 
type that some people would, it escapes them that unless they're really good at science, <laughs> that the sun rises in the east. I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. it, that, now that's a no duh, but you and I think, hmm, is it a no duh? <laughs> because when you get to kid and you give them this, here's the instructions. I want you to take out the map, orient north. Huh? <laughs> what? What's north? Yikes. Yeah. Well, look it up on the phone. <laughs> You're going to have to teach them what a rose is. Yeah. On the map. Uh, yeah. Honestly, honestly, what do those, what are those lines? Why is everything, it's like wavy lines. No, those are, never mind. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So with smartphones, and this is smartphones because with the regular cell phone, sure, you could text with them. But it didn't have all of this added distraction. You don't have all these apps that are right there on your Vegas screen. in your palm. <laughs> right. Basically. Basically, you can get anything there. Yeah. Capacity significantly is reduced when smartphone is within reach, even if it's powered off. Absolutely. And and even if it's because if down. it's powered off, you're still drawn to it. Yeah. So there's no need to memorize information. And so basically what they say is it has created an incredible amount of mental laziness. Yeah. Texting and so people are not two, using as yeah. much of their brain anymore. So you want to know something? Look it up. <laughs> you want to talk to somebody? Text them. Text them. You want to know where somebody is? Open up your phone. Because usually there are a lot of people and they can follow each other and know where each other are, is, are. Each other. And it could be a way that they have now rewired the brain to constantly crave instant gratification. Uh, well, it's more complicated than that, but you're right. Well, this is this is the statement that they gave in one research project is yeah. that that having so much access to it and having it right there, especially in early ages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it rewires the brain because it's like gambling, and you brought up a great analogy with Vegas. Because <laughs> according to Jose L. Amobadar Suarez, he, who's a doctor who studied this, uh, social media, like gambling, in consistent gratification and rewards, the user may unconsciously change their views to appease their selected group or population to share the same values. So you uh, might go yeah. into social media, you could completely change the way that you think about things which in yeah. a sense is organic and it's something that happens the way that you're raised around the house because of experiences, et cetera. And all of a sudden you're on social media and you just want to follow the crowd. And so you may actually change all of that. You're looking for instant gratification. You're looking for constant gratification. If that means that you have to join groups that you don't agree with, that may be a possibility. Yeah, that's the social aspects, yeah. Right, um, but you're also, the brain is also rewired. How many times do you yeah. play a game on your smartphone? 
Ah. How often do you check your smartphone? Yeah, that's an algorithmic enticement. And those are designed to keep you playing because they, they make targets that you can hit and then they increase the target based upon your ability. And so you're always okay. in that flow channel, which is extremely addictive. And so you're being algorithmically sort of pushed forward all the time. Um, it's more than instant gratification. It's more like constant gratification. <laughs> it's like, if you stop. Exactly. Hmm. It's kind of, yeah. I was, I was talking to somebody about this and I said, you know, in some ways, in the original Pinocchio, and I think it might be in the Disney movie, they have the island, Pleasure Island. That's it, Pleasure Island. That's right. Pleasure Island. I know it sounds like a different kind of thing, but Pleasure Island where they would go and they would just play and they would have the best time in the world. And then all of a sudden they start turning into asses yeah. and they started growing their donkey ears, if you remember. I do recall And that. then- it wasn't until he dove in, he figured it out because he was turning into a jackass and he dove and he lost it all when he went to get Geppetto out of the whale's belly ah. because he did something selfless and it wasn't just hedonistic. But there is also an increase in myopia among the younger generation. And the passive use in excess Passive use in excess creates disassociative, antisocial, and depress depressive and anxietal behaviors. True. True. So your, your that world little that machine, that device. Right. And how often do you see people holding theirs? Oh. And it's almost it's almost oh. as though they can't survive without it. I mean, it has yeah. become so not endemic, but such a part of just not culture, but a part of your being. It's like the baseline. Um, everyone has a phone. Everyone tolerates the phone. Um, one person gets on the phone, then the other person feels like, well, I feel like a dummy sitting here. So they get on their phone. Um, yeah, that's the baseline. The extreme behaviors and Raise your hand in the audience if you've seen it, because I imagine, I think we've all seen it, is when you try to remove that phone from a person. And I'm not talking about just kids. I'm talking about adults as well. And they virulently protest and resist. Like, what do you think you're going to do? You know, put your phone away, please. No, I don't, I can't. No, you know, or you ask them to and they go, no, I can't. We got important stuff. I can't do it. They resist you like no other. And how many people have that? I've had kids throw temper tantrums, literally. There's a 504 for a kid because of their I've seen adults throw temper tantrums. Yeah, I've seen adults throw temper tantrums too. You just, yeah, the phone is paramount. It's everywhere. It's so, it's, it's only been since, mm -hmm. holy cow, it 2006 is. or eight or something. Now, here's here's what's really interesting, and that is, I believe that the amount of time that an adult should be spending on their cell phone at the maximum per day is two and a half hours. Yeah, that's to me a lot. For well, active over use. a course of let's say sixteen hour day. So active Which doesn't seem that much, but looking at it 
or using it in any kind of fashion. Probably yeah. not just for phone calls, right? Yeah, definitely. Because we not. all know that we don't just use it for phone calls. People Buying text more than they texting, call these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For, right. For so they have, they've had converging evidence from biopsychosocial research in humans and animals that chronic sensory stimulation, like what you get from the cell phone, mm-hmm. can affect brain development, and it increases the risk of cognitive, emotional, and behavior disorders in adolescents and young adults. And then they're finding out that some of these effects are similar to those seen with symptoms of mild cognitive impairment, which is what they would call early dementia, early onset dementia. Yeah. The beginning stages. Lessen the cognitive function. So because excessive screen time is known to alter the gray matter and white volumes in the brain. In fact, what they've discovered is that there is a decrease in gray and white matter in the brain because you are stimulating around the amygdala, but you're not doing anything with the prefrontal cortex because all the decisions are made for you. You want to know how to feel about something. You want to know about something. It will guide you. It will tell you. You're not doing a whole lot of thinking. There are not a whole lot of... There's not a whole lot that you need to know beforehand in order for you to just have an opinion on something because you'll look it up, you'll know how you feel about it, not what you know, and you'll just put it out there. Is that making sense? That does make sense. That's my interpretation. Maybe that's where that's coming from. Because I've always wondered why people are acting on feelings now and refusing to investigate further. It, it right, always occurred to me it's that, all that, right that there. yeah, that's how you do it. You know, you get upset about something, you have to have a reason why, and then you look into your reasons why, and someone says, hey, why Why does that make you upset? Why do you feel like you need to let's fight for that? Well, here's my evidence, da, 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 instead of, it feels bad and I'm angry, so I'm going to go with this. This is true, and it's like, because it makes you feel bad and angry. Why? Yeah, well, does why it does it make you feel, you bad, feel bad or angry? Why Why is that? And it's because they don't have the regulation because the prefrontal cortex is where they get their regulation and they've lost that. They've lost the ability to think. They have overdeveloped, they is it, it? I believe it's left brain and oh, underdeveloped oh. right brain. I don't think left and right is, are actually valid ways of looking at it anymore. They've kind of gotten rid of that left right thing but some people are still with it but then some people are still with ten thousand years of north american inhabitants by humans okay (laughs) but listen to what i have to say before you shoot the message i'm not saying shoot the message i'm saying it's just no longer a valid way to look at it i'm listening to just listen to what i'm saying yeah okay so the fact that you cannot no longer reason and that the creative side of you is no longer there because it's all caught up now with technology because everything that you need to know or want to know will just hit you smack dab after you look it up on the on the internet. It's certainly donated to the technology, yeah. Right, focus, right. Yeah. So you don't. There are certain aspects of your brain that you no longer need, and Absolutely. so those become underdeveloped. And your amygdala 
is being bombarded with images, with dopamine, with all kinds of stuff. And so that takes the place of what you would normally get if you were doing it on your own. So you're not exercise, you're no longer exercising that front of your brain in order to yeah. have epiphanies, in order to figure things out, because everything is sort of handed to you on a silver platter. You might call it privileged education if you were, because you don't know what it is to have to think and figure things out on your own. Not in that same way, no. You have to figure out other problems, but not those problems. So what happens in the early stages, you have impaired concentration, orientation, Yeah. the, let's see, acquisition of recent memories. You lose that. Uh, you have recall of past memories. You lose that. Social functioning and self-care. And excessive screen time is known to alter gray matter and white volumes in the brain, increase the risk of mental disorders, and impair acquisition of memories and learning, which are known risk factors for dementia. Are we talking now, about during this? during brain development? It increases the risk of accelerated neurodegeneration in adulthood. That means amnesia, early onset dementia. Mm -hmm. And this relationship is affected by several meditating or moderating factors, mm -hmm. IQ decline, learning impairments, and mental illness. Now, mm -hmm. here's what they, this is from a study from one of the Canadian universities. And what they determined, and I've seen this in more than one place, and it's been cited over and over, that by the years 2050 to 2060, the rates of dementia in adults will have increased up to sixfold. Yes. That is that is interesting. And that's for gen that's for the millennials and Gen Z. I wonder something. Because I, I understand that uh, you know we're looking at it through the dementia lens. Um, it I don't even know well, it seems more like a symptom than a cause. I, it seems like a huge addiction problem to me. It just plays with the brain like no other. Um, what addiction. do you mean it's a symptom? Well, explain dementia. the term symptom. Well, when you were saying, you know, dementia, you were saying that the causes, this could cause this and that and that and this. I thought, sounds like um, a drug addict or an, alcohol, an alcoholic. Or, it is. It, it is. is. It's the same sort of thing. And I mean, it's like really messing with your life and it, it you're, you're losing brain cells, for God's sake. You may not be losing brain cells, per se, but... No, you are. You're strange. killing them off. All right, well, if you're doing it, it's the same thing then. Because that's what, like, the substances do is kill your brain cells off. It's like, you know, people say that when they get into, you know, a recovery. Well, you know, I could have died. And my response is, no, you could have lived like that for the rest of your life. You'd want to die. It's just a miserable existence to be addicted to something. But the phones seem to be kind of tolerated. And I think they're going to have serious consequences. Like, like I notice it when I'm in a classroom, each and every classroom I'm in, the telephone disrupts everything all day, every day, every class. It is always there. Someone is always on it when they shouldn't be, if not a quarter of the class, the tenth of the class. No one knows what to do about it. And they're all walking around just looking at their screens. And it's it's almost like 
they're zombies. It's very strange. It's, and they can't be getting any smarter. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, they're, well, they're it's not distracting them like crazy. They're not, they're not putting together 10 good minutes of concentrated focus. They're just flying off because it just screams to them. Alert. alert. Well, well, whether or not you call it addiction or we call it some form of dementia, because it is a form of dementia. Now, here's well, the difference. Granted, yeah, but I mean, One, it doesn't share inorganic. that that scope. Secondly, yeah. secondly, you can remedy it because even though yes. you kill off the brain cells, there are still you're still able. And I've I've spoken with enough doctors. You can regenerate neural pathways yeah. to reconnect so that you can rebuild. Now, once a cell dies in the brain, you can't get that back. No. It's gone. But there's so but you much still of the can. in the neural pathways. You can adapt yourself just as you right. adapted yourself in the negative way. Right. Adapted the positive. So some of the signs in, in kids mm -hmm. that because it affects more than just the brain. It also affects your posture. Makes sense. And the way you carry yourself. And this can have implications physically as well. So if you, because for kids, if you see a flexor dominant posture where they're hunched over. Yeah, that's sad. If they have developmental delays, if they have the inability to remember number patterns or directions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Social seclusion, lack of motivation, anxiety and depression, forgetfulness, anger for no apparent reason, and uncoordinated movement patterns because there's a loss of balance. And that's also with your brain. No. Yeah. Now, some of these things that that what what gets me on this is a lot of that is just regular teenage behavior anyway. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, some of this is just bad behavior. Right. But, yeah. but for adults, for teenagers and young adults, you have slouch posture, developmental delays, short term memory loss, social seclusion, lack of movement, anxiety, depression, anger, balance disorders and uncoordinated movement patterns because they because it calls for a sedentary more sedentary lifestyle because you're constantly stopping you're constantly sitting so that you mm -hmm. can do your thing mm -hmm. um yeah i mean the best i suppose you do see people on their phones as they're walking down the street and they collide with people they collide with the posts walk out in front of cars and, yeah <laughs> Yeah. They do. They walk right out in front of cars looking down at their phones. <laughs> they, they trip over on the curb. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it's just unbelievable. It's almost like you put a bottle of alcohol in front of an alcoholic and go, okay, there, don't drink that. <laughs> mm -hmm. What? You mean just even a little sip? No, not any of it. And carry it around with you everywhere you go. Well, part of the part of the problem now too, and if you remember, we had students, and maybe there were kids that you knew growing up. They all had televisions in their bedrooms. Yeah, they did, and gaming systems like no other. 
And now they have gaming systems, but not only that, but they also have, um, oh, what else do they have? Well, they 59% of kids, pre-adolescents, have cell phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which blew my mind. Because parents are giving babies, they're giving young kids the like a kindle or an ipad or something yeah yeah. some kind of like a device just to keep them busy so they'll be quiet so that the parents can do whatever they want to do sort of like when we were kids they'd plop them in front of the television (laughs) i was gonna say and before that they sent them out to play (laughs) here take this 22 rifle and go shoot some varmints off a fence post but see going out and playing used more executive function it actually did, and very. And they, uh, I don't think a lot of the kids shot anything, but the squirrel. You know, like, you know. I don't think that I don't think that that many kids went out with a twenty-two. Oh, I don't know. There's maybe in your neck of the woods where you grew up. I, it's like I was in. Yeah, twenty-two seemed to be a little point rifle. So here, give your eight-year-old a twenty-two. I remember it's kind of like, yeah, that's what the eight-year-old shot twenty-twos, but. That said, it um, yeah, that's what they did. They went out and had adventures. I had adventures. Um, I would never stay in to watch a cartoon, even though they weren't on all the time. Um, I got into a rut watching cartoons after school, but that was only, I think, because my friends weren't able to come out right away. I'd rather yeah. be hanging with them. Yeah, that's what that's what with me, but... Yeah. Also, Saturday morning cartoons were a must, and that's when well. There it is. Cartoons. Saturday morning cartoons were yay. Anybody, baby boomers out there, let's <laughs> here for Saturday morning cartoons. Sunday morning cartoons weren't so great. You know, a lot of us had to go to church. So that kind of but by the same token, though, yeah, the kids that are given these tools, and they are tools, what are they going to do with them? I mean, how is that developing their brain? Is it developing it in the right way or is it developing it in the wrong way? And there's something yeah. called the Flynn effect. Are you familiar with the Flynn effect? I am not. I'd love to hear about that. The Flynn effect. Oh, wait, let me see. Cause I've got Named so after many. Here. Ted <clears throat> Flynn. No, I don't know. The Flynn effect says that students will, or people, the, See if I can find this. You need an assistant. No, it's not here. It is. I have to edit this. Here we go. The f- okay. They say that we're in a reverse Flynn effect. The Flynn effect is progressive decline in population intelligence on a global scale, starting in 1975, and projected to continue until 2050. And that would be on IQ tests, on uh, on assessments, uh, assessments, and everything else. And I thought, well, that's that tests? seems weird. And then I read something else that said that it started in the '90s. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder what started that in the '90s. And I was thinking games, because that was when video yeah. games came out. That's exactly in the '70s. There really wasn't. Technology in the seventies was more um, television and cable. Oh yeah. So I'm not really sure where they draw the where they draw the analogy there. Well, when so, I remember when games came around, there mm-hmm. were 
educational games and there were frivolous games and there were first person shooter games of various kinds, you know, either generally speaking, they were aliens. They weren't like uh, spec ops or anything, you know, real high graphics. And then there were um, highfalutin mystery games like Myst, you know, where you sort of, you know, used your intuition and your intelligence. And those were good. I kept my kids at that time, at that young age, on the educational games. You know, I think it was called math. Anyway, it's a math game, a reading game. And, I, and my son got into some, like, doom, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but my daughter, to this day, is not real into the games at all, even though she's her husband is. And they worked. But then they went really commercial weird. Like you could network and you could play people like all across the globe. And uh, the graphics Mm -hmm. got incredible. And they learned how they, what they did was they really refined how to keep that interest in the game going up and up and up. You know, that level two, level three, level four is like, oh, I I got to get to level. I've got to finish this game. (laughs) Um, And there was a sense of, and it overstimulates. Yeah, it really, you know, I mean. It overstimulates and it's hypnotic. Yeah, two, three levels, you know, you lose your time. That's that's flow state. Um, and so I'm all into flow state, but you use it to your benefit. Don't use it to just kind of whittle away your time all night long. I had to finish that game. You, did you really have to finish that game? But, you know, kids are using it for social media. They're using it just to text each other. And just yeah. just having that light flash through your head, yeah, and staying up until because it also increases poor sleep patterns and <laughs> yeah. poor eating patterns. It interrupts your focus like it like no other. It it really does. It plays with your head in many not just dopamine. Is there's all kinds of stuff going on up there, and um, yeah. It, it makes you feel good five different ways and feeling good's feeling good. And so kids are just like, I love this. Yeah. What's really interesting is that they say there, there are some people who say this isn't really a thing. <laughs> that it's just saying that it's like being cell phone addicted, that they're, <sighs> that it's, it's, it's a soft, it's a soft diagnosis. It's a soft call. Cause it's only something that psychology today dreamed up. The interesting thing is, is that there are research teams, biology teams, Mm -hmm. people doing brain studies, people doing all kinds of different kinds of research on this, who are finding that it actually is something that is serious enough that they need to take on. And so one of the, what they say to do is to turn your phone off and start, you know, set aside certain times to be on the phone. You don't have to call everybody all the time. And I was thinking today, my brother would drive me crazy and his kids too, because you couldn't reach him because he would turn off his phone. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, well, yeah, my phone goes off, but then when I need it, I turn it back on. So why don't you call me when I need it? When I have the phone on. It's... Yeah. And it was one of those, okay, you're not drawing the connection here. We don't know when you turn your phone on. And he says, so well, if I answer it, it's on. There it is. So, I answer it, then it's on. The but he never on. texted or anything. And that's, 
I mean, he didn't really see any need for the phone besides maybe calling people. And he would actually dial the numbers himself, which drove me crazy as we were driving. Um, Cause he would have to take it out and do that. <laughs> well, you could, but they also say that you should also very much limit kids time to it, very to the phones. So. Yeah. To like, not less than an hour. It hurts their little And brains. if you're going to do it at in times, then yeah, maybe 20 minute intervals throughout the day. But you don't just have them on it for a long, long time, especially when they're younger and their brains are still developing. I mean, that's just ludicrous, if not frightening. And it's, it's lazy. Very frightening. It's frightening. <laughs> yeah, it's very frightening. They were also saying that you might want to turn off your router at night. Yeah, I heard that. Because the electromagnetic waves that permeate throughout your house can affect your sleep as well. Hmm. I will find out tonight. I'll try it. I'll try that for a week. Turn because off your at night I turn off. Yeah, I turn off my phone around 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And then um, it comes back on when I wake up. And I get up, so hmm. nothing bothers me. But I've been, I've been, I've been trying very hard because, um, what the I don't think the audience knows. I did uh, receive some brain damage last summer, so I've been working hard, and it's getting progressively better. But I am using my phone less and less, uh. and I find that I only need it. Every once in a while, I'll put it down and I'll walk away. But they say that's pretty typical for people of our generation, even though I know some people in my generation who are glued yeah, to their phone. I do, too. I know some people have rejected them. Like they don't know how to operate them, which I think is overly interesting. Interesting. Yeah, just too much, I think. you know. Well, I'm not going to do that at all, so. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I know a person who said, what about computers? Well, what happens when the power goes out? What are you going to do then? I go, when the power goes out, it's complete anarchy, and I'm not going for a computer. I'm well, going for a rifle. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah, it's like if, if the whole world collapsed and there were But no you'll computers. still have your cell phone. <laughs> I, I don't even charge. you still have your cell phone. Yeah, if there's no network. Well, that's you know. why you keep it charged and you have those battery packs. Yeah, geez, we're talking about a, a global, you know, universal. Oh, you're talking about failure. not just like, like an, complete. You're not chaos talking about three hours. No, I'm talking about the end of the world. What are you going to do in the end no of power? time? Uh, well, I'm not worried about the computer any longer. <laughs> um, except, Philip, do you think you should bring stuff like that up? Because if we're talking about people having severe anxiety, <laughs> that's true. But they could just look at their phone and look up how it's not or it is going to happen, depending on how you feel about it. That's oh, true. Oh, my goodness. That's another thing, too. The the smartphone going into the Internet there is like one gigantic confirmation biased fest. <laughs> it's like, I want to believe that the world is flat. And by gosh, there's people like me. I'll just hook up with them. And we'll tell each other that. Like, hello. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and it'll be there. Yeah, oh, it's there's yeah, no, you can even societies. Yeah, you can have a thought about something, and the next thing you know, yeah. it'll pop up on your phone as being for sale. Which, which was really groovy if you think about the fact that 
somebody out there on YouTube made that movie that you wanted to make between G.I. Joe and Barbie, you know, or whatever it was as a kid. And we'll do a movie and then, you know, they'll go on a mission and then they'll be Barbie. And anyway, anyway, back on top. Yes, please. So it is a thing. You can look it up. There are people who will say it's not. But down in the show notes, you'll find links that will give you more information and possibly lead you to even more information. So it's really worth taking a good look and finding out what it is that um, maybe you can change if you want to change or if yeah. you really want to put your head inside the mouth of the beast. So Self-examination, <laughs> it's never easy. Yeah. But as far as teaching with these kids, it's having a realization that hyperactive disorder, cognitive disorders could be linked. Not that they are, but they could be linked to this. Mm -hmm. So these are just things that maybe we need to be aware of because we're going to start encountering more and more issues around this. We're already encountering huge issues. Ask any teacher. It's a major problem in the schools, smartphones, huge problem. So what's the solution in the schools then? Oof. Okay, so next week we will have a new topic and a new adventure, and we mm -hmm. will see you then. So until then, be well and adios.